Marta frente al esférico. Atención que va a venir el disparo. ¡Golazo! And welcome back. This is part two. I am here with Courtney Stith. I'm Andre Carlisle, by the way, and Tamara Griffin. And they're going to join me on kind of just a big picture review of this World Cup. It's over. It's sad. I miss Tazuni already. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really sad that she's out of our lives now. Um, but I finally I, met her. I, I am. I'm, you didn't meet her? No, I finally met her on the second day. Oh, did you? Last okay, day. I was going to say, man. But then I missed Formiga. Um, and then my entire day was Oh, done. oof. Uh, yeah, that's oof. I missed her by a yeah. moment. Like, literally a moment. It was... I have the worst luck of all time. It was literally a moment. That is so <laughs> bittersweet. It really is. I'm actually very sad about that. I was like, all this energy for this episode and now finding that out made me feel kind of <laughs> sad. Like, you took me down a few notches. But you know what? I'm going to pick it back up because, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. I did say on Twitter... Uh, Tazuni for U.S. Women's National Team head coach. Let's go. She'll play Ashley Sanchez. <laughs> Moving on. This is oh. going to be a fun, po- <laughs> fun part of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So first things first, um, before we started recording, both of y'all let me know that the ferry ride to the stadium is a spiritual experience. So I would love you to tell the people about that spiritual experience and just kind of let people know what it does to like your mindset as you're kind of, I guess, floating your way towards the stadium across the water? So (laughs) I, at that point, had already been embarking on the the sort of five stages of grief over the tournament ending. And I don't know how you guys sort of um, navigated that part of, of this experience, but for me, it kind of, you know, slowly crept into my consciousness, you know, like, the end of the group stages was like a mini grief because now we don't have like multiple games every day, which is my heaven personally. And then between like the knockout, (laughs) between the knockout stages and let's say like the semifinals, there was more breathing room between matches. Um, The semifinals really started to like hammer home the reality that we were turning the, the corner toward the finish line of this thing. And the morning Yesterday morning when I woke up, I started doing <laughs> that thing that I used to do a lot as a kid. I don't know if I maybe like put it on pause, but starting to do that whole thing where like, well, I guess this is my last morning waking up during the World Cup. I guess this is my <laughs> last like pre-World Cup breakfast. I guess this is my last time, you know, all of the lasts and just starting to work. Getting real dramatic with it. <laughs> yeah, <love> it. <laughs> super dramatic. I'm a Leo rising, so I can't help it. But... <laughs> So I was already like in that space and I had taken a couple of ferries um, in Australia by that point. Um, I did whale watching one day, which was phenomenal. I took a ferry to Manly Beach another day, which was also phenomenal. Both beautiful experiences, totally different. But the ferries to both the whale watching and Manly Beach went, oh, my sense of direction being on this side of the world is completely warped. I'll just say they went one way. (laughs) And the ferry toward the stadium yesterday went a different way that I hadn't been before. And the journey through the harbor, seeing these 
breathtaking multi-million dollar homes that reminded me how many wealthy people there actually are in this world because they just kept going. And I remember thinking like, surely there aren't that many rich people to occupy all of these homes because I, it felt like, I don't know, 30 minutes of just like driving a boat on the water and looking to your either side and seeing just beauty. And it wasn't just that though. It was the fact that even if that ferry was just dropping me off at a coffee shop or if I was going to meet people for dinner, the ride in itself was a destination. It was breathtaking. We were blessed with the most beautiful day that I've experienced in Sydney since I've been here. Though I haven't been in Sydney the entire time, there were no clouds in the sky. The sun, it was like probably mid 70 degrees. The breeze obviously created by, you know, the boat going across the water. I, whenever I'm on boats, I'd like to be at the very, very front and have what I like to call my Titanic moment. <laughs> and I definitely did that <laughs> on, <laughs> on the ferry. I was curious if you're about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's like, what else could it be, right? But I had to. And it was just one of those moments that allowed me to not start you know, lamenting or not continue lamenting the, you know, this is my last time doing this, this is my last time doing that. And the moment itself was so beautiful that it prevented me from getting ahead of myself and thinking, okay, well, you know, what, what's going to happen at this game? What's going to happen when I get back home? How, like, what's it going to be like transitioning back to normal? It, I was just so present and I, it felt like the perfect low key stunning humbling activity to do before a game like that, to just put things into perspective. And I know all three of us have had pretty miraculous journeys to get to this tournament. And as I'm sure you've both experienced, when you get here and get just lost in the throes of the moment, it can be really hard to sort of remember what we did to get here and what it took to get here. And I just felt so grateful for the space to sit in the accomplishment to sit in the magnificence of this tournament and all that it has given us and all that it will continue to give us even now that it's over. Um, while also, you know, being on a boat, going through the Sydney Harbor, seeing all of these stunning boats and homes and going underneath bridges. And it was just like a childlike joy moment for me that I, by the time we reached our destination, I felt like I had changed <laughs> just in, over the course of the ride. And then to know that we still got to watch a World Cup final in person on the other end of that journey, uh, I was overcome. I'm still overcome. I'm still recovering just from the boat ride itself. <laughs> I love that. Wait. Uh, Courtney, the, the, was the boat ride as... Uh, spiritual for you as well well i will say i have not experienced a boat ride so i'm going to go ex make a fake boat ride oh. today or tomorrow because tomorrow it's supposed to be 75 degrees and for those who don't know i was deeply conflicted about coming to this world cup because there's nothing more that i love than sunshine and summer weather yes. i would literally come give me the humidity give me the heat i will literally take it it does it gets into my i swear it makes my bones like uh loosey-goosey again in the way that there should be when you're like young and having a good time like I just, I love summer and I love the sun. I often say that the sun is my best friend. Mm. Um, and so I'm like really excited to go on this boat because I 
like the yes. beach is my happy place consistently. And so when we were here with like, so since I've been in here in Sydney, we've actually been staying in a beach town and wow, just like, there's like something different in the air about being close to the beach and like seeing the water and like people surfing and all that stuff. Like I've like fallen in love with the city of Sydney and I think part mm. of it and like also Brisbane too. And I think part of it is because like every time or the times I've been, it's been really nice weather as well. And I'm like, Courtney, we have to find a way to come back here, but also your wallet's going to cry for a little bit, but you know, that's neither here nor there um, with the long flights and mentally preparing myself for a long, <laughs> another long flight soon. But um, yeah, just like the, the healing, almost like cleansing nature of being like around water just like gives me a lot of joy. So I feel like I'm going to have when I do take my ferry ride, cause I do plan on taking the ferry to a few different spots tomorrow while it's nice. Um, I feel like I'm going to have a very beautiful time because like, I just, I love the ocean. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about this world cup. Let's get, get back, get back to the world cup. Cause, cause there's a couple things that I want to, that I want to talk about, um, and get some reflections on. Um, first of all, Expanded field. This is the first World Cup with 32 teams. Of course, we know Infantino's dumbass was taking credit for all of that when it wasn't really about them. It was for them. It was about the money. But for for everybody else, knew that like the it was ready. That that the competition, the talent was there. The talent level was there. Um, and I think that we saw a lot of great performances. I'm thinking of like teams that people may have been shocked by Haiti for one, which we've been talking about Haiti for a while on this podcast. And I love that. The only thing I'm frustrated is they didn't get their goal versus England. They should have beaten England. Um, that was a hell of a performance. I'm thinking about Nigeria and the performances mm-hmm. that they put on, not only to get out of the group, but also um, against England as well. Fought them tough, went to the penalty shootout. I'm thinking Colombia taking out Germany in the group stage, which was just such a shock <sighs> to a lot of people, but it was amazing to see. Um, so like greatest game of the tournament, hands down. Yeah. Mm. That was fantastic. Yo, it was amazing. And then, you know, you, you look at it from the other way, you say like there was, there was also some heartbreak, you know, Germany, Italy, Canada, Brazil, not making it out of the groups like that. That was, that was rough, especially for me with, with Brazil, that, that hurt a little bit. Um, not even a little bit that hurt a lot, mm. but just like, the field of 32, how the group stage went, how it like broke down, like what did it really mean to kind of y'all? And and like what were your kind of your takeaways to just watch some of these teams go through a group stage that was bigger than it's ever been? And we saw some great games. We saw some great performances. We saw some heartbreaks. We also saw some jubilation, like just what – what was your like main main takeaway from the round of thirty? Not the round of thirty-two. Sorry, <laughs> from the the group stage and thirty-two teams. I'll, I'll go with Courtney. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, two things. One, I was thinking about twenty nineteen and how we were doing all that math for which best third place team would get through. Which I can't <laughs> lie, I, I, I missed that. a little bit. It was kind of fun. Um, no, <laughs> I think like I think there's a reason why they're like having thirty-two teams is kind of a perfect number. I know I'm thinking on the men's side, they like want to expand it, but I, that's just like a money grab. Like I, I actually don't think it's going to work well on the men's side Yeah. Uh, to expand past 32. But yeah, I just think there's something really spectacular with that number of 32. I do wish with that 32 that they find a way to maybe balance the groups a little bit more. I definitely think we had groups of depth mm. and we had groups of mid, like mm-hmm. group 
why did Switzerland get through the round 16? I know I bring it up too often, Listen, but however, yeah, they yeah, just yeah. should not have. <laughs> I, I really want to reshuffle on the groups, like run it back. <laughs> <laughs> like literally run, run it back. Um, but yeah, I just think it shows, I think it to me, when I think of the group stage, I think of two things. Obviously, spectacular performances by a lot of teams that we had known were going to be really, really good. Um, but a lot of other people were sleeping on and, me as a person who I, sometimes I just like to say I told you so, it like makes me feel really good that I'm like I can <laughs> spot when a team I know <laughs> is gonna do really really well. Um, like my number one for that is like South Africa. I'm like people were mm. sleeping on you, but um, I also think about how for this next World Cup going in, and obviously we don't know where it's going to be, unfortunately. Um, but the importance of also especially in the women's game compared to the men's game, um, because it is very clear that for the majority of the men's game, a lot of the money is, well, actually I would say with the women's game too, that a lot of the money is really concentrated in Europe, but I feel like in the women's game, not necessarily that the talent per se is more spread out, but like the, I don't know, not the games are more surprising. I just, I'm t- I'm trying to wrap my head around and saying this in a coherent way, but just that I don't think like UEFA, for example, should have 11 spots out of the 30 right mm-hmm. like i think this world cup and yes i understand that three out of the four teams that rate it, made it to the semifinals were from uefa but i also think a we saw some super mid games but also we saw teams that like european teams that squeaked by uh and maybe at times where they should not have um or it was just unlucky that the like they were getting outplayed and managed to squeak through and so for me, thinking about the round of 30, not the round of 32, Andre just <laughs> took that phrase from me. <laughs> but from the group stage going forward, like, I Sorry. really want there to be, like, I want there to be another team from Conca. Well, to be fair, it's six Concave teams. But, like, I want there to be another team from Africa. Like, like I want there to be another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want there to be another team from South America. Like Also Mexico I, coming. Right. Well, yes, I want I want another team from Concacaf, so Mexico can get mm-hmm. in, and so can Haiti and Jamaica and, <laughs> and Costa Rica and all my faves. Um, but yeah, I just think it really shows the importance of like, or it really shows how the talent gap was never there, but the investment gap was always there. And while the investment gap is closing, I think one thing that we then learned from the round of sixteen on is that it's still stark. You know what? I really like that point because that is the thing. Like we have seen that eventually to a point, and sometimes that point is perhaps winning a damn World Cup, but like to a point, the talent will win. But what are you going to do to actually like cultivate that talent in a real and serious way? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where we are. Like we're seeing the talent around so many team like they're they're good enough to play on a world stage they're good enough to match up against any team like people wouldn't have thought that Haiti was going to stress the hell out of England out the way that they did and we knew it we saw it we saw how they played they stressed the hell out of the U.S. team like <laughs> like we we saw the way that they played and the threats that they posed and we're like yeah this is going to be a problem but deeper commitment deeper resources are always needed to get them to be able to go further like to maximize their talent. Who knows where they can end up? And to me, that's kind of like the lesson of this World Cup. Like we see the talent is so spread out and it makes for such a fun tournament. It makes for such an unpredictable scent, like such unpredictable games and matchups where 
you don't look at it and say, okay, just because these teams play like are from Europe and have funding and all of that business, like, please put everybody on the same playing field because I swear to God, you see, we have an equal playing field, shit going to get real fun real quick, right? So to me, that was kind of my lesson of this. But uh, Tamara, I wanted you to weigh in on on just kind of like expanded field to 32, uh, some of the cool things that you saw and what you thought about it. Yeah, I, I think at this point, it's pretty clear that FIFA and most, you know, governing bodies that hold power are usually a few years late at best <laughs> to making the changes that those of us on the ground um, yeah. <laughs> bend over backwards and get, you know, hoarse trying to alert them to. And I think that's part of the reason why by the time they finally um, expanded this this tournament pool to 32, the teams that were able to get in, it's not like only when that announcement was made did they start getting ready. Like these teams have clearly, as we now have seen, for those who didn't already know, these teams have clearly been ready. And that's why I keep coming back to the importance of distinguishing between the, the talent and the opportunity. Um, I mean, this has been like a theme throughout our conversation that it's rarely about cultivating. I mean, it is about cultivating the talent, but it is just as much about giving people the opportunity to do things with that talent, to showcase that talent, to build on yeah. that talent in ways that are sustainable, not just for the player, not just for the team, but for whole organizations and for federations. Um, and I remember thinking... I remember thinking at the end of the group stages and certainly after that Germany Columbia game, like if this ended here, I would have gotten my money's worth 10 times over. Like this was the most entertaining. Okay. Recency bias, blah, blah, blah. But what an entertaining group stage. I, so many of those games from Columbia, Germany, Brazil, France, those are the two off the top of my head that were, I mean, those could have, um, those could have been knockout stage quarterfinal semifinal games in terms of the hype. I, Courtney, you were at Columbia, Germany. You felt it in terms of the quality of play, in terms of the intensity of the competition, those matches gave us everything. And there were so many times, they were everything, everything like I just remember feeling overwhelmed knowing that there was still so much more football to be played after those, you know, it, it, I mean, it still blows my mind. And I think that is one of the gifts of the expanded pool. We were also able to see, I wasn't keeping track, but there were so many first time matchups between teams that, I mean, I'm always looking at the cultural implications (laughs) of things too. So, I mean, we had the fact that we had a three way colonial derby in the knockout stages i'm still trying to wrap my i mean i literally wrote about it but i'm still also trying to wrap my mind around that how like you the likelihood of that happening obviously you know like strictly from a mathematical perspective is less likely with the smaller pool of course but in expanding it you're also giving us opportunities to tell these really rich different and nuanced stories about what these matchups between teams mean and what we can glean from them and what they say about professional clubs that these players play for and the opportunities that they have to grow and advance in their careers and who's restricted and who's not and how sometimes the the country in which you're born can oftentimes determine so much of the trajectory and the opportunities that are available to you or not. And I feel like this has... 
like not as much to do with, you know, the actual, you know, technical aspects of, of the game, but from a, from a global narrative, because we're never just talking about soccer anyway. I think that in expanding the pool, <laughs> not to sound too uh, woo-woo, but it did allow us to expand our minds and our understanding, especially for a lot of American audiences, I think, of what this game is and what it can be and how it's experienced in other places. I mean, a lot of people probably only ever think of Haiti as the earthquake and as revolution and as poverty. But now they can think about Dumornay you know, and now they can think about the fact that they rattled England in, in the earliest stages of the tournament, too. So I love that we now have more ways to associate with countries generally um, before we even get to the football. It was just it just felt like a bounty. Um, and I've said many times about this tournament that it and this is true for every Women's World Cup. It sets a bar that the next hosts it's the the bar that this tournament set is the new like ground level for 2027. Like there is no way that we can, I mean, let me knock on wood when I say this, there's no way that we can, (laughs) there's no, Fantino is still there. I know I'm like still high on the fumes of, of this clearly, but um, I like to believe that there is no sliding back down the hill from here. There is no yeah. restricting the the pool. There is no, um, you know, relegating teams to these far flung edges of a country in these stadiums that will not be able to hold the number of people who want to go watch them play. Um, mm-hmm. And if, because another thing that we've talked about so much is the importance of having things down in, our, in an archive, you know, we have, a huge archive of this tournament. And so even if people attempt to come at us crazy with underserved anything going into this next tournament, we have evidence now and data to back up the fact that, as we always say, if you build it, the people will come. People came all the way to Australia, like, and New Zealand. It's, it's just been phenomenal. And I feel really, really grateful to have seen as many games in person on TV um, as I was able to. And there really were not any prediction. Like I, I'm, I'd be so curious to see how many, how many brackets actually like survived this tournament unscathed because it was so unpredictable in all of the best ways. And I, it, for some people who were open to learning, it was also really beautiful to see people, change their perspectives in real time about who, you know, the football powerhouses are and who the standout players are and the, the rising stars. Um, it was an educational tournament. And I think so much of that is owed only like simply to the expanded pool. Yeah. I think, I mean, honestly, I feel like looking forward, the sky's the limit. Even even with the small things like the fact that public transit was free and outside mm. of that that one semifinal game like worked really really well and there were so many trains and it was just like each city was super accessible and with public transit and public infrastructure and to me it kind of kicks on why I'm like we need to know where 2027 is and it's funny because someone's like well they have four years and I'm like 
all right, well, if we want to grow the game, that means we need to bring, like, we need to bring the Women's World Cup to yeah, other parts no, of the world. <laughs> they need, like, they need time to build the infrastructure so that way we can continue having these extremely successful Women's World Cups. And it's like, we're, I feel like it's, I mean, like, not necessarily lucky, but like, it's great that Australia and New Zealand already had these, for the most part, you know, big public transit networks that worked and like complicated or complex bus systems and train systems and trams and all of these things. But it's like, like to me, that was almost like a bare or having host cities extremely excited about the Women's World Cup. There wasn't a, and like, yeah, it goes like, obviously it's a factor that the Matildas were doing well, where it was like, everyone knew what I was talking about, but like, you almost cannot escape Sydney without seeing something about the Women's World Cup. I mm-hmm. went to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, like, I mean, Auckland, like there was, it was coming in the airport. Like there was no way you could escape the fact that the Women's World Cup was here. And that's fantastic. But now for me, it's like, that is a bare minimum as yep. well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I, I had the same thing, even though I didn't go to Australia, I stayed, I based myself in, in New Zealand, which was also very fun. Uh, it was colder. So, you know, maybe, maybe hindsight, but um <laughs> But uh, it was it was great to be there, and just uh, every just about every single Uber ride I took, they were you know they were telling me that they've been to certain games and all that, and I was just like, yeah, that's dope, like you know. So it was like it was really cool to just hear how like one, they were locally, they were pleased to have the games, they're pleased to have people there, but also they were engaged too, like they love going to the games, not just the games that like New Zealand went, like talking about like oh I went to go see like Sweden Italy and that oh. was so much fun and all that, like they're the players got people to watch them like live and recognize the talent. Like, again, we all know the talent's been there. We all know it's dope. We all know you get a chance to watch a game, whether it's live or on TV, you need to because the players are dope, the sports dope, blah, blah, blah. I I can't remember. I said this to somebody else before, like, you know, just talking about like women's football. I'm like, you really don't have to get like too deep. Like football is the most popular sport in the world. I don't know why it wouldn't be extremely popular just because women are playing instead of men. Like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense (laughs) that people seem to be like, Ooh, you got to prove this concept. It's like, nah, the sport's dope. And, and (laughs) when, when people play it, like at a professional level, uh, it's kind of dope to watch. So like, yeah, that, that part of it is cool with me. Um, and, um, and I am hoping that, you know, I'm hoping we find out where 2027 is very soon. Uh, but yeah, I'm also hoping that it's May again, like y'all said, and lock Infantino in a closet and let's like fix the rest of this shit. Right. To me, that's really what we need to do is get, get him the fuck up out of here because he's just completely annoying. Um, and, and it's not helpful in many, many ways, unless it can line his pockets. Um, okay. I'm going to press y'all. Because I'm going to ask you a few questions, <gasps> and I know it's going to be tough because there are going to be a lot of moments, a lot of answers that you could go with. But I'm going to press y'all for one, maybe a runner-up. But I, I want to like I want to hit a few different big topics here about your favorites of the World Cup. So we're going to have multiple favorites, uh, and we've got multiple. Um, highlights of the World Cup. And I think this will be a great way to like close out the conversation because there was so much that happened that I feel like it's important to look back and make sure that like all of us have different perspectives and to kind of look back and say like what really resonated. So I'm talking slowly and I'm meandering to filibuster to give y'all time to think. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm literally like, Tamara, don't forget some of the earlier things that happened in the tournament. I know it was a month ago, but try and reach back into your memory. 
<laughs> exactly. Thank it you. is a it is a <laughs> tough tough ask, but I, I'm gonna do it. Okay, I'm gonna start off <laughs> with Courtney, and because okay. I think she might be able to answer this one easily. Your favorite game of the tournament? Mm. Ooh, it's tough. Um, or not? Well, it's because <laughs> I have two tied. Technically, that's fine. If you got two, you can um, get two. Okay. Uh, one was Columbia, Germany. Mm. That game was absolutely insane. Nine and years. actually, Banner match. I thought the the day before it was either the day before or two days before, but I think it might have been the day before. Uh, France, Brazil. Mm. Wow. Those yeah were two incredible match. Yeah. Those are two back-to-back bangers that I saw. Um, and yeah, they were. it was absolutely fantastic with the crowd there. Oh, but also a third one that is a, se- a secret banger. Um, it's because I went to 15 matches this World Cup because of y'all, really. But I went to, I've been to fi- I went to 15 matches. Um, a sneaky good one, too, was Nigeria, Australia. Oh, yeah. Maybe I should write a newsletter on my favorite matches this World Cup. That I experienced in person, but yeah, if only that to one was honor good. Them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, all of those matches were absolutely incredible. I mean, also that Australia Canada match was also elite. But yeah, I would say probably the mm. top two that are tied because even though hilariously they were both two one, they both worked in completely different ways. Um, with yeah, Aust- yeah, definitely um, France, Brazil, and Colombia, Germany. Also, that was the first time I saw those Colombia kids up close. And they were uh, elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Tamara, your favorite game of the tournament. <sighs> okay, I don't want to frame this as like first place runner up. I want to frame this as a uh, game I saw in person and game that I did not, I guess. Um, one of them is similar to Courtney's, uh, Columbia, Germany. That was a game that really drove home the point that I just made in our, our last uh, topic of yes. conversation, which is like, you know yeah. what? I've seen enough. I've, I never thought that I would say that in a group stage of any tournament because I'm, I'm a glutton and I just want all of this, as much soccer as possible. But after that game, I was like, you know, it could end after this with no winners even. And I have seen enough. I'm fulfilled. I am satisfied. This was <laughs> incredible. It gave me like soup to nuts, everything I could have asked for and more like any aspect of that game even if Colombia had won and Linda Caicedo hadn't scored that goal I would have been fulfilled if Linda Caicedo had scored that that goal goal, Mm. and if Colombia didn't win I probably still would have been fulfilled I mean not maybe fully satisfied because I would have wanted them to win but the fact that just those two pieces existed in that one game seeing Alex Pop embrace Linda Caicedo I forget how old Alex Pop is, 31, to an 18-year-old who she's just lost to, Germany to Colombia. Like, the images, the imagery alone was... 32. 32? Yeah. Um, Comprehensive. It was a comprehensive game. It was end-to-end. It was an absolute screamer. Edge of your seat, sweaty palms, the the whole shebang. It was incredible. Um, I was not in person for that, so I can only imagine that atmosphere. <laughs> I can only imagine the kind of thing that, like, if you could bottle up the energy of of that game, like, in person, it would be, like, a five-hour energy drink. Just, like, concentrated, like, lightning bolt in a bottle is how I imagine it. 
Um, and then the game that I was present for that I will never, ever, ever forget was Australia, France in the quarterfinals. That was my first. Ooh. Yeah, that was my first um, Australia match. That shootout was ridiculous. <sighs> I, you guys. <laughs> Again, I think the maybe like the theme for me um, for for games or other moments that will make these superlative lists is games that were so like multifaceted that any one aspect like checked all the boxes. So even if that game had been decided in regulation, it would have been one of the best because <laughs> the amount of passion and blood that were being spilled across that pitch was unbelievable it was so good live and it was so like like watching two panthers just like circling each other in the jungle seeing who's going to strike first kind of thing Mm -hmm. um i hadn't i think that might have been my first time (laughs) um that might have been my (laughs) first time seeing france live yeah because i've seen i've seen leon play in person and that's about it so i mean i've seen half the france roster live am i right (laughs) but Seeing them all together like that <laughs> was a treat. Um, experiencing the atmosphere of the Australian crowd was such a treat. Um, that was the game where Sam Kerr up until that point had played the most minutes. And so seeing them respond, them being like the crowd and her teammates, um, respond to her entering the game and changing the game. There were just so many chapters in the story of that game, even before you got to this penalty shootout, which... I'm still recovering from, honestly. I didn't have a drop of alcohol that game. And the day after that game, I had, (laughs) like, it felt like a hangover minus the headache. But, like, from an emotional standpoint, like, I just, you know where you just need to, like, lay in a dark room for half the day? Like, that's what I wanted to do after that game. So those are my two tops. I love how this was supposed to be a short answer and I still end up, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) No, look, we love the description. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and the, and the energy is important because like I I agree like that that the thing I loved about Colombia Germany is that Colombia straight up like bucked the script right mm-hmm. so like they score and then you know Germany's working hard working hard they get their equalizer late and everybody's like okay you know order is restored if you're just looking at like FIFA rankings or just your casual perspective mm-hmm. of what you think these two teams are capable of and then. Columbia scores the winner and it's just like Columbia was like I'm not here to play that game <laughs> like we we are not doing this like I we don't have to accept this only just one point in moral victory pat on the back like no nah, we can beat them I don't care if they're Germany don't care if that's Alex Pop I don't care who's over there like it was just such a dope moment mm-hmm. and kind of let you know like yo we talk about on, on this podcast we talk a lot about the um like the the mentality like the I only want to, I mean, mentality is coded now because yeah, hmm. it's talking on box soccer, but like just the, the, the mindset of so many, like of these young ballers from anywhere who are like, I, I know that not only can I play at your level, like I can beat you mm. and they're disrespectful. They're confident and bold. When I say disrespectful, I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, like I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I love seeing that. And that to me is what, so like the Haiti England game was very much a lot of that. It was like, yo, we don't care that you're England. We don't care that you just won the Euros. We don't care that you got a great manager. We don't care anything about that. We are going to put you under so much pressure and make you look so silly. And they did that. Like it was dope. So 
Um, my favorite game was Spain, Japan. <laughs> because oh, I forgot you were was, there in person for that. Yes, oh, I was there in person right, and were. I was, it was like you were living in the 40s. <laughs> it was windy. It was cold. But I was having the time of my life because I was just cackling uncontrollably because Japan, just like <laughs> trying to figure out the metaphor, right? I, it almost felt like, you know, like back in the day, um, like if you if you ever had a sibling and mm-hmm. And like, you know, doing that, like um, hitting you, like, yeah, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Oh, my God. It's almost like that's what Japan was doing to Spain <laughs> because Spain just kept doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And then they get the ball counter goal. And it was just like, why are you, why are you hitting yourself? And it was just so funny. It was the most hilarious game I'd ever, I've ever been to in my life. I will never forget that because it was so hilarious. The game was just such, so, so funny. Um, so yeah, that was my favorite one uh, to, to be at. It was just an absolute delight. And just the way that they were so clinical in, in tearing Spain apart was just, oh, it was gorgeous. It was just gorgeous to watch. They didn't, Spain was like, we're going to dominate the world. We're going to have the ball. And Japan was like, okay, not so cool. fast. We'll have like four seconds and we'll score. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's okay. Oh my God. Um, okay. So we, I see we got, we got some we got to hurry up with these, okay? Because, uh, yeah, our apologies. Um, we've been going a little long, but I think it's important. And so we're going to try and rapid fire this. We're going to try. Try is what we're going to do. Try is <laughs> Wait, what I'm Andre, missing, I'm, what I'm, I'm what sorry. I'm, I'm locked in. I have one more thing to say about the great games. <laughs> okay. The best games. I know. The best games, though, are the ones that make you go, where like you just start making noises, like your brain can't comprehend what's happening. <laughs> yes. And I feel like we've been yeah. blessed in the group stage, especially in the group stage of many of those games where it was just the type of thing where you feel the energy and the electricity rise and you like look to the people to your left and your right and you're like, what are we witnessing? Um, and <laughs> I feel favorite. like we had, we had a lot yeah, of those. Facts. That, that and I feel like that's the best watching. way to Yep. Yeah. And experiencing of, of moments is one of the best. That's why, you know. Y'all know me. Hashtag go to games. That's what it's about. Um, okay. Okay. For real. Let's do this. Courtney, favorite goal. Why would you make me do that? Okay. I've Well, I have two. <laughs> gotta go. Let's do it. Okay. Well, I'll say the one I've, I've seen in person. And okay. Technically, I saw them both in person. However, one was Linda Caicedo. Yeah. Against Germany. Uh-huh. That goal, she sucked. Yo. Mm-hmm. She sucked them up. And uh, you could tell as soon as it came, she was just waiting Literally like a, a viper ready to strike. She was waiting for them to take the bait. And she struck the yep. ball. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was incredible. It was. I mm. I saw that in person and, like, literally almost passed out. It was freaking fantastic. Um, Another goal that was absolutely fantastic, Sam Kerr against England. She needed her oh, World yeah. Cup moment. And Ooh, I could tell as soon moment. as Millie Bright gave her an inch of space, I said, Sam's scoring a worldie. And guess what she did? And I swear I actually lost part of my he- hearing. When I heard, when the crowd started cheering, I've never heard a stadium erupt like that. It was incredible. It was everything. Um, and I also want to give a shout to uh, any of the Lauren James goals she scored. They were all bangers. <laughs> Every single one of them was a banger. <laughs> They're all highlight so reels. True. Absolutely fantastic. Actually, I want to give a shout to the goal that was disallowed because of Lucy Bronze, which I'm still angry at her about. Because that goal was an absolute <laughs> yeah. worldy. Um, but yeah, those are probably my best goals of the tournament. <laughs> you want to know what's selection. funny about the, that, that Sam Kerr goal is great because if there's one center back 
on that pitch and at this World Cup that should know exactly what Sam Kerr wants to do. It is Millie Bright who trains against her every single day for Chelsea. And Sam Kerr's gravity is such that even she was shook to take a step. And she got she she gave up the banger anyway. Yep. Uh, Everyone having a ball. Wait, yep. have you guys heard it, the story about about the Australian folks in the press box for that goal? <laughs> they were they all shouting because like well, so what it was is that Sam was driving forward, obviously, down the pitch, and Caitlin Ford was making like a streaking run on yes. the outside, and they were like, pass the ball, pass the ball, she's open, pass the ball, oh my god, pass the ball, and I was like, oh, no. no, Sam Kerr, I mean, I wasn't near that, but I was like, Sam Kerr is going to score a world, eight. she scored 10 and 10 against Mary Earps, yes. club and country, she she's <laughs> going to score a world, eight. I know, right? Coming into that game, 9 and 9, and then it became 10 and 10 for club and country, I was like, Sam Kerr is scoring a world, eight. The electricity, I can even feel it now. The electricity, like the vibes that came after that goal went in, spectacular. All right, Tamara, your favorite goal. (sighs) Okay, also have two, two very different categories. This goal was one of my my favorites for the buildup, and I was in person for it. The Bia Zanarato goal when Brazil played Panama. (sighs) It was so early in the tournament, too, that people were like, oh, right, it's Brazil. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Welcome to Brazil for those who are unfamiliar. And for those who are, welcome back. You know? Classic. Jogo Bonito. Just chef's kiss. Every touch. Every... Multiple back heels. Ah, just like <laughs> the unselfishness of Ari, Ari Borges to just give that little flick to Bia, who had been playing the game of her life up until that point and deserved that goal. Um, it was beautiful to see. And I was, you know how you see some goals and you're just like, I was in the perfect spot in this stadium to see every, yeah. like the like the most optimized angle for, for like every every touch that led up to it. That's how I, um, that's where I happened to be positioned for that one. So that's one. And then I was not in person for this game, but it probably was the top three, if not the most emotional goal for me. Marta Cox, the set piece against France. I, I was, I can't even remember anymore, but that game I think happened either right after or concurrently with the game that I was covering in person. So I didn't see it. And by the time I got home, I was like exhausted, didn't even have the energy. I think I literally fell asleep watching the highlights of that game (laughs) that night. So it was the first thing that I saw when I woke up the next morning and you guys, I cried like a baby. (laughs) I was so emotional about that goal because thinking about Panama's journey Thinking about Marta Cox, like this Afro-Panamanian leader, baller, who just needed her moment, you know? And it was definitely one of the goals, which was very much a theme in the like earlier part of the tournament, especially, like all the emotional moments of players scoring their first ever World Cup goals. And everything in her celebration, to me, felt like it doesn't matter if you understand the sport or not. If you are a Black person, you feel that celebration. There was so much that was not spoken that that is just understood. Like the way that she broke down, the way that she continued crying even after she got up, like when you do understand and appreciate the sport, you also get the benefit of understanding what what it means as as they like to say. Um but it and then it was just a beautiful goal. And then 
She went back to club and did the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah, she sure did. Marta Cox, like, girl. She was like, that no, it wasn't a once in a lifetime thing. I do this. Lest you um, forget. So those are my top two. <laughs> um, you know what really encapsulates that moment that you talked about, just understanding what that moment meant, is the referee. Because oh. the entire like bench cleared, like they all went and around her and the referee for a second pulls out her yellow card and then she just put it back <gasps> in her pocket. Like I <laughs> Oh, I did I, not I can't, notice that. Yeah, if you watch that back, it's hilarious because the ref is like upset, like gonna go in and like I gotta enforce these rules. And then it was like, nah, this is bigger than me and my little card. I'm gonna slip this right back oh, in the pocket. Nobody amazing. got a yellow card. That it was is amazing. Um, mine is, and, and I had to honestly, Tamara, you took like both of mine, oh, which my is God, dope. Sorry. <laughs> we're but all yeah, the like, same that we're in agreement. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. Yes, absolutely. And Marta Cox goal meant so much, and. I thought it was a great moment. But in terms of moments as well, my favorite goal, it had to be what kicked off the tournament, New Zealand over oh, Norway. That ooh, goal. I was in person. Goal, yo, that was awesome. Just the moment, her celebration as well, but just that moment and what it meant. I felt like it really like kicked off the tournament and said like, it doesn't like for real, it does not matter what your expectations are for your club going against whatever team and their expectations or where they sit in juxtaposition to you and what people think about your talent level. Like to me, that really set a tone. And yes, Norway is unserious. We all know that. (laughs) If one team was going to slumble and and have issues, I'm actually surprised they made it out of the group. But like, we know that Norway is always unserious. But to me, that goal was a great way to open the tournament and it was perfect. So like, I'm absolutely here for that goal. Uh, And Hannah Wilkinson setting a tone for the rest of the tournament. Um, okay. We, we got a little bit more time, so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit and say, this is a big one, y'all. So I'm sorry to do this to you, but Courtney, I need your player singular. I know you're going to give me a couple, but that's fine. (laughs) Don't put me on blast, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Player of the tournament. Who you got? You said player of the tournament. I want to give you multiple. Can I give you one from each line? Oh my god. <laughs> Hard to do it. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um oh god, it's Fine. so hard. There were so many there but there were so many players that were so good. Like um I haven't even been able to fill out a best eleven. So best player. I don't is even just... know if I yeah, know. Tough. like Okay, I'm giving you one from each line <laughs> because I deserve it. Um I, even though that's hard to Okay. Um, well, I will definitely say best defender, Jess Carter. I think Jess Carter had a phenomenal tournament and has not been given nearly enough shine for it. And I know she was technically the defender in that goal against Spain. However, I think she's been, especially like Andres's, like Chelsea fans watching Jess Carter over the past mm. like three seasons and just watching her blossom in a way that I did if I'm being honest, like I didn't think she would be able to do. I Mm. think she's just been absolutely fantastic. And I really want everyone to shout at her um, because she's been really, really good. Okay. Um, Best midfielder is a tie. (laughs) This is so hard. (laughs) Why would you make me do this, Andre? I I just can't believe you're making me do this Mm -hmm. because it's really, really hard. Um, all of them. Technically, it's a tie between, I'm going to say, Yui Hasegawa. Oh, my God, and yes. 
I ton of bun artist. Oh my god, same. artistry at work. They're they were both fantastic. I also want to give a shout to Tony Payne though. Tony Payne was mm, doing doing yes. getting some work in oh, for doing Nigeria. Work. Doing Honestly, some work. She was so trifecta. good. Mm-hmm. Okay, let we're gonna have to have you back because we need to talk about that trifecta. <gasps> Um, yes. because I want to talk about them for a long time. I think, oh my gosh, so good. Uh, oh, goalkeeper. Um, I know Mary Earps got it. I'm not giving it oh, to Zira. <laughs> yes. I said every line. Um, no, um, Indozier, uh, from yes. Nigeria oh, absolutely. was absolutely fantastic. She was solid as rock tournament. She was literally so good. Um, like absolutely fantastic from from the moment they came on like from the moment she got on the pitch forward this is so hard i know it's supposed to be rapid fire but like how am i even supposed to put an 11 together Mm. okay i'm gonna say for her game changing nature i'll give it to selma Mm. as a forward even though lauren james is a close second but i just think selma like the She's the reason why Spain won. Like her and Bon Mati. I, agree. I actually saw very cute photos of that. And also Bon Mati oh my God. Can we talk running about right that? to her to celebrate. Yeah. Remember when she scored like, the winner? And I was like, do, Bon Mati knows. Do we think that that's like a beautiful, like mentor mentee budding friendship type of thing? Because I hope from so. like when Selma scored the right footed goal against Sweden, right? And Aitana did the, like, kissing the foot celebration to the the embraces that they've had after the game. Maybe I'm projecting my own, like, fantastical scenario there, but in my mind they are, like, conspiring to just unearth that team and make it their own, and I love that narrative for them, if it's true. I also love that narrative for them. Um, So, yeah, those are my players of the tournament from each line. <laughs> All right. Making me choose one is <laughs> making me choose one is uh, cruel and unusual punishment. It's I know, and I appreciate you I that, that you said I, I called you out and said you're gonna give me a couple, and you gave me a lot more than a couple. So you know what? <laughs> I gave Don't you four. Uh, <laughs> you double and a half. Uh, Tamara, your player of the tournament. Okay, um, I'm glad Courtney went first because I agree with so many of her selections. From definitely the goalkeepers and the midfielders, Jess Carter had the tournament of her life I truly like it's cliche the whole leave it all on the field but I really think that she did um to those I would add (laughs) um Mary Fowler we are going to be talking about her for ages now we were already going to before those of us who knew, but you know, the world cup stage is incomparable. And now everyone knows how much of a baller she is. It's really something special to like watch when you've known about a player. I don't know if you guys experience this kind of like vicarious joy of knowing how special a player is and then watching everyone else understand it and like fall in love with that player in real time is Sinead so beautiful. Yes. Sinead. Um, and that what I got to experience that with Mary Fowler. I think she had a phenomenal tournament. Um, to be honest, I would say the same about Haley Rosso. I really enjoyed watching her play. I admittedly did not know very much about her at all going into the tournament and was really impressed by... <laughs> it's so funny because when, when we use these adjectives with Black athletes, it's like triggering and borderline problematic, but she's so athletic. <laughs> 
and she's so fast. She is. Pay some power, Haley Russell. You know, pay some power. Um, I yeah, I was impressed, and I'm excited to see where her career takes her. I don't know. I mean, so she's up there, definitely honorable mention. Um, I feel like I should stop myself now before I keep going. But I agreed with so many of Courtney's selections. So thank you, Courtney. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all these are, are, are good. And I'm glad that we don't have, we still have, I mean, there were so many great performances that it's, it is very easy to pick out different players. And so for me, I'm going to go with, I, I have two as well. So I am guilty of breaking my own rule, <laughs> which is fine. Okay. Cause it's very loose. You know, if y'all know me, I don't like rules, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> all right. So Teresa Abelera mm. for Spain, she is absolutely unreal. Like she has had, an incredible tournament for me. I, I know that like, would she be playing if Patrick Guijaro is there? I don't know. Mm. Like these are the, again, like listen to part one. If you want to hear, uh, you know, break, if you haven't listened to it already, we, we break down a lot of this, but like, I just think that in isolation, her performances, this world cup were super top notch. I mean, it was almost like there was a pe- period where, okay, early in the, in Spain's world cup, uh, it was, Mati who stood out and then after that it was really Abelera every single game mm. that she was so solid so composed continuing to move the ball and keep them in, in control of the game uh she was exceptional um and my other player is Hinata Miyazawa mm. and y'all know me I love goal scorers so that's naturally gonna get like <laughs> you know a golden boot winner but think about this she won the golden boot and the last goal that she scored was in the round of 16. Listen period <laughs> like she was and i love her so like for me the reason why i love goals so much especially consistent goal scorers is because they they tend to have something that they do that works consistently and the timing of her runs where she runs she does all the work before she gets to the ball Mm. to where her finishes were easy like if you look at her shot map it's all basically around the penalty area. She took some shots from outside the box, but in terms of her goals scored, all around the penalty area. And most of them were just like quick one-touch hits by the keeper, rounding the keeper, something like the timing of a run, the angle of a run, you know, how she you know directs to, to be able to receive the passes. She does the work up front to be able to put the defenders and the goalkeeper at a maximum disadvantage. And it's so dope to watch because all of a sudden you see her break through the defensive line and you're like, oh, there's another goal. <laughs> it's just like it was so, so fun to watch. So like, yeah, she she was she was definitely one of my players, of the tournament. And I hope I hope this is some foreshadowing to the next question, by the way. I hope somebody throws a bag. So oh, here right. we go. Whomst? Whomst deserves <laughs> a bag after this World Cup? Maybe somebody who, like, I'm not thinking, like, you know, a name that is already kind of a household name, especially in, like, women's soccer circles. But, like, who is somebody that you're like, yo, I need that person to be throwing a bag and I need to have them, like, on an elevated platform so I can watch them week in and week out? Ooh. I'm going to start with Tamara on this one. <sighs> okay, I don't know if this fully meets the criteria because she does play for a pretty respectable side, but I think that the the like disparity between where she is currently with her club and where she has the potential to go is still vast. Um, 
she's already been mentioned thanks to Courtney's expansive um, best player list, but Chiamaka Nadozier, the the um, Super Falcons goalkeeper. I she's yes. phenomenal and. She's one Absolutely. of those players who, and I guess this is probably true for a lot of players that we would nominate for this particular um, award, we'll call it, the bag award. Um, the, do you guys ever watch players who, like, you just fantasize them being, like, their natural talents being, like, nurtured and cultivated by the best possible? Like, I watched Chiamaka yes. and I was just like, I don't know who the best goalkeeping coach in the world is, but whoever that person is, I just <laughs> yeah. found myself, like, joining forces with her and them just, like, holding up in, in a conference room and, and, like, doing the whole, like, Rocky montage of training and, like, I want that for her. And so whatever team has that, that's where she needs to be. She and I can I just hope that by the time she checked her phone after their last game against England, ah, oh, that game, um, that her phone was blowing up. Or at least that her agent was blowing her phone up with messages of of inquiry and interest. But she deserves all of the bags. Absolute cosign on that one. Uh one thousand percent. Uh Courtney, who you got? The question is who don't I got at this point who doesn't deserve (laughs) a bag? (laughs) Because they really all do. Um, I was actually going to keep with the uh, Nigeria theme because I was extremely, 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 and sorry, I'm quickly pulling up their lineup, even though I was was actually extremely impressed by a few of um, their players, especially... I just want to give a small shout out to Ashley Plumtree. Oh my God. Yeah. Does not play outside back. Yeah. She only played as a center back for them. She balled. And I was like, what in the, I was like, what in the world is in her water? She is playing. She is absolutely balling out here. Um, No, I believe that. Oh, the person who I think deserves a bag is Chrissy Uchebe. Mm, yes. Very quiet. Perf- like, or not. Quiet performances in that she probably didn't get a lot of the shine she deserved, mm. but she was really, really good this tournament. Agreed. Like, just absolutely, she was, like, she was just really, really good this tournament. Super solid. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm absolutely here with you. Um, I got two um, that I'm that I'm going to give, and uh, and honestly, uh, Nadozi is absolutely on my list. Like that's probably like Amazing. number one, and of course, I got uh, Miyazawa as well, just because I think like that that the artistry of her uh, ability to attack. I think somebody with with a good system, um, ball control system, really needs to plug her in. Um, I also loved Lacey Santos uh, mm, for Colombia. Yes, I thought she was an absolute baller. She does play for Atletico Madrid right now, so that's not like a bad team or anything like so she's still like that's not quite like throw the bag territory but i just wanted to give her a shout out as well because i thought that she had a great tournament but my biggest one y'all know i'm kind of like chelsea right so i'm just (laughs) gonna go ahead and say it because the rumor popped up and also i've been watching this player for a minute um in the sweden league but also she had a great tournament for australia kyra cooney cross oh (laughs) i had not heard the chelsea rumors with her Oh yes, uh, Emma Hayes is shopping, and there's a, Emma Hayes has been feasting this tournament. Okay, like how can <laughs> you even eat that much? And I say this as someone who loves to eat. Nobody ate right. Like the eating 
award definitely goes to Emma Hayes. Emma Hayes won this tournament long before we got to the finals. Okay. <laughs> Facts. Emma Hayes stays with it. And uh, I love it. So yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> hoping that we get that uh, done and over the line because even if she has to go on loan, I don't care. I need that. Plus she's only 21. I need her to be starring for Chelsea in the future because she is so, 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 so good. Um, okay. She's really good. We are, I'm done torturing y'all. So thank you. But I want to leave space because Tamara, I love that you joined us. I'm really happy that you joined us. This has been great. We've talked for a lot longer than I planned on, but you know what? It's dope. It's fine. Um, and I think we, yeah, we covered a lot of ground, so I'm here for it. But I want to give you the last word if you want. Okay. So you can just leave it as is, but I would also, you know, just going to, just going to put it out there and say, if you want. Again, I referenced it before. You had one of the tweets of the tournament. Right? <laughs> you said, this has been on my heart for a long time and I need to let it out. And what you let out was, Bateas is like Britney Spears, but Bomati is like Christina Aguilera. You said, I'm not explaining it. Either you see it or you don't. And then you did runs, <laughs> runs away, <laughs> which I appreciate. That's a good like move of mine where I like, just like, all right, I'm out. I'm off the timeline. Mm-hmm. Like y'all can deal with that. Mm-hmm. But like, if you want to expound on that, I will give you whatever time you need and we will close out the, the, the podcast, whether you say, no, I don't want to, or figure it out, or you want to give us some insights and in what into how you got there, whatever you got, it's going to be the end of this episode. Floor is yours. Oh, wow. I'm honored. Um, I'll expand a bit. I will say that I, I'll speak about Alexia and... Aitana strictly in terms of Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and specifically in the context of like my upbringing as a tween. Um, I grew up and 99% I think of my, you know, elementary school girl group of friends um, were Britney Spears fans. And I would be lying if I said I didn't have a CD or two, but probably only one of Britney Spears. I would be lying if I said I didn't, you know, dance in my bedroom to her music. I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy her and appreciate her as an artist. Um, But anytime she came up in conversations, anytime her music was played at sleepovers, I just always had this like secret thought in my head that, you know, genie in a bottle is a banger though. Like, Hit me baby one more time. Yeah, sure. But come on over. Like that's the song that I was listening to when I was like locked in my room and I had to clean my room or whatever. Those were the songs that I was like lip syncing to my private concert in front of my stuffed animals. Like Christina was just always my girl. And when I was going through, you know, those like rough and turbulent puberty years, that was around the time that Christina Aguilera released Stripped. And that was for me, like my parents got divorced when I was seven and between dealing with that and like becoming (laughs) an adult and all of the like emotional turmoil that comes with that, that album felt like it was made for me. And it gave me permission to feel the full scope of my feelings, including anger and like validated the, the beauty sometimes of like anger and rage and like the, the righteousness within that and stronger, I'm sorry, fighter. Like I used to actually listen to that song as like a a pump up song when I would go play my own soccer games. And 
<laughs> this is the part that constituted the runs of the tweet. When you look at the vocals between these two artists and you think about staying power and you think about the, the singer who, when they're really in their bag or even half in their bag, okay, they give you goosebumps. They make you like, they twist your face into that, that stank face that black people do when we really like something <laughs> that yes. makes you want to like slap the, the, the like table or like get up from your chair and do a lap because you just can't contain yourself. All I'm going to say is between Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, there is one artist who consistently evokes that emotion with their artistry. And that is all I will say about that. <laughs> I love it. I'm perfect. And thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diaspora United podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.